Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back another show and firstly look I want to say yes I know it's been too long apologies uh, haven't been recording many podcasts recently been very very busy with my individual coaching work um, working with some Premier League players uh, obviously Flo Balogun who's doing really well in France and some championship players as well so it's been pretty full on but now I'm back and uh, yep got lots of podcasts scheduled so I thought a nice way to kick off uh, being back in the seat was uh, to actually share with you a podcast I did for, with somebody else uh, the Coaches Room podcast um, they invited me on to talk about my journey, my philosophy, my methodology, um, and my personal football coach as well. So I, I really enjoyed the interview, and I thought it'd be a really good uh, one to share with you guys. So it's a little bit different, find out a bit more about myself, and obviously happy to share the coaches room as well because it's a really good, top quality podcast with some really great guests as well. So, like I said, this is me. Hope you enjoy it. All feedback welcome. And yes, uh, we're going to be back with some regular podcasts from now on. I promise. We hit spring and summer, so this should be start coming thick and fast. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome inside the coaches room. Every week we talk to elite coaches and backroom staff about their experiences, how they develop and how they develop their players. There is too much emphasis on the game, on, on, on winning, on results in academy football. It's nonsensical. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, the, what matters is getting the player to improve and getting the player to the next level and getting players into the first team. That's what we're trying to do. In this episode, we talk to Saul Isaacson first. Saul spent over 10 years coaching in Premier League Academy football at clubs like Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham Hotspur. And he is also the founder of My Personal Football Coach. We had a great discussion about individual coaching, about the role of parents, agents, etc., the environment of players, and we discussed his journey in football. Enjoy this episode with Saul Isaacson Hurst. Yes, Saul, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's a privilege welcome. to be here. Welcome inside, 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 the, coaching inside the coaches room. Yeah. Inside, oh, so. inside your office, I can see uh, almost. <laughs> yeah, my office, yeah. Well, I was thinking the other day, actually, my coaches room really is the grass. So, you know, but yeah, this is another place I use sometimes. <laughs> how, how much time do you actually spend on, on that desk? Not a lot. <laughs> Funny enough, actually, it's quite a new area. I'm re- I moved house recently and I thought, you know, I need a bit more of a specific area to work, you know, post covid and you know work from home and i've always had that any i've always had a room and then anyway yeah long story it's a relatively new space so i try to when i'm catching up admin do it here rather than do it in a coffee shop or something like that you know just sure. a, bit more, looks, a bit more focused be, uh, stylish with all the big players behind you yeah some of my favorite players you know i grew up with a lot of number 10s in there a lot of dribblers <laughs> yeah cool is it Bergkamp's also there Bergkamp, yeah probably my favorite player growing up as an arsenal fan who you know for me was big inspiration in my 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 uh, football life. Okay, cool. 
Cool. Yeah, I have, I still need to put my logo behind me. I'm still in front of a white wall. <laughs> I that for sure. Okay. Um, well, uh, there was some attention around you recently with uh, with uh, Madueke, who moved from PSV to um, to Chelsea, of course. So um, you've been in the papers. Maybe we can go into that later. Or what does it do for you? Or how do you even look at that process? But I think it's interesting for to start off is uh well you're an individual coach if if I can say it like that uh yeah. you have a company or a brand called my personal football coach but how would you describe yourself yeah i think yeah i'm an individual coaching specialist or individual technical specialist whether that's in the individual one to one environment or in team environments you know my background in academy football is very much you know technical coaching based within teams and working small groups and sometimes individuals but very much with that individual technical focus. I mean, ironically, you know, very much you know, classical Dutch cover type from that, you know, that under that umbrella, so that individual ball mastery and 1v1 specific work. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of individual coaching, technical specialist, if you like, and work individual players and in, in groups and for academies. Okay, clear. How did you how did you get into this? Because we've seen here in the Netherlands, we see a couple of guys. I know, I think, I think you know of, a few of them, like like Guido, uh, yeah, like Guido. born to play. They they kind of shifted from, let's say, being a team coach, being more into, let's say, really superficial, being more into skills and individual training, and then starting their own brand or company or soccer school, whatever, or football school. Whatever. How did you ro- roll into this? Yeah, I think, um, like I say, I started my. I say a lot about my. I started my coaching career in America. And you know the the you know the under Tim Bradbury, who was you know my mentor, coach, educator, and very much you know helped me, schooled me in the ways of individual coaching, but just in a, in a team in a team environment. Mm-hmm. And obviously, then went to work at Tottenham and came back, and the same they had that very much specific. So I always had that individual coaching philosophy, technical philosophy, but in that team base. And I started doing individual coaching at the same time when returning from America, and started a, my own business at the time. So I was working part time in academy football had my own business as well. I was doing my teacher training as well. And then very quickly, I sort of found my niche within the individual training. I, I, I built a reputation quickly by training players up and getting them signed into academies through my training philosophy, which was basically the same as what I do in team training, you know, and you know, individual ball mastery and 1v1 domination, using that say, those same principles when working individually with players. And then, you know, as I progressed through my academy career, still, you know, kept that specialism, that emphasis, emphasis, if you like. And then, but, you know, while being an individual skills coach in my own business, so that's sort of, you know, that sort of, I realized quickly that was my, that was what I wanted to specialize in. I was good at that. You know, I got identified that the reason I progressed so quickly at Tottenham in my first academy role was because they liked what I was doing with the individual stuff in terms of the technical, you know, the ball mastery and the 1v1. And so, yeah, so then I decided to really focus on that and, you know, and sort of, well, just carry on doing it. I mean, it's what I, you know, like I say, and that's how I saw the game anyway. Look at the players behind me on the back yeah. of the wall as well. You know, that's what football is to me, you know, players who can excite and entertain and be creative and, you know, are good on the ball. And that's why the football I like watching. So that's the way I coached, whether it was in a team environment or an individual environment. Yeah, did you also realize, because uh, I, I think I said it already a hundred time, times on this podcast, I noticed that throughout my coaching career, I was more team-oriented and also more result-oriented. So the process was focused on getting, of course, developing and developing was uh, was uh, 
the goal was to win. Let's call it like it is. Mm. That's I. That's why I connected good with senior teams and first teams. Mm. Um, was was for you maybe? It was the. Could it be that it was the other way around that you tend to be more towards the individual and and, and let's say becoming one percent better every day, more in that 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 area of development. Yeah, I think that was <clears throat> that was always my perception anyway, and I was lucky. Like I said, I worked under Tim, and then. My first job at Tottenham, Chris Ramsey gave me my first job. His first words to me, like, you know, well, when, I, when he gave me my head, my first team, the nines, he said, you know, I don't want any of this, you know, defending as a team, you know, I don't want any, you know, pass, pass, pass. We need to develop the individuals all like, you know, develop, make them individually better. He was, and he is, and still is, you know, um, someone who is unique, a bit of a maverick himself, someone, you know, he's unconventional, you know, and, and, uh, and like, you know, one of the... He's head of Academy of QPR, go- right? No. No, yeah, no, he's head of Academy QPR. So I was lucky because I went into an environment that was encouraging that anyway. So I progressed doing that. And obviously that might change in different environments I went into. But that was always my mindset anyway. I was looking to try and develop individual players. Obviously, you know, you were working lower down. It's easier to do that in terms of if you're working in the lower age groups in the academy environment. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was always my sort of the, the way I saw it, the way I saw the game, the way I see, still see development. And whatever age group I'm working with yeah. now. You know, it's about can we get those individuals a little bit better? That's that's the you know that's the end game. I think it really relates as well to the current way that we approach football, specifically in the Netherlands. I don't know too too much into detail about the UK that that after let's say the revolution at Ajax that they said okay, teams don't make the first team. It's only individual players that make the first team three, four a year or whenever they are ready. So we yeah. should focus more on the individual and. Every individual has his own needs or her own needs. Um, so we should make tailor-made programs. One needs more resistance. One needs a pat on the back, whatever. Um, mm. uh, this is also the style that you kind of naturally already had when you start coaching. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's easy for me to say because I've, you know, I've worked in those progressive environments, but you can see, you know, like you said, you know, there is too much emphasis on the game, on 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 winning, on results in academy football. It's nonsensical. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, the, what matters is getting the player to improve and getting the player to the next level and getting players into the first team. That's what we're trying to do. So a lot comes down to coach egos and the egos of adults sure. often, you know, by wanting to do. And also the problem is also often we, you know, we perceive success by what we see on our team performance. So a team wins 3-1. Oh, that was great. Yeah, we won there. Or we're we are judged say, well, the way. That could also be. Yeah. Yeah, we're ju- also judged by yeah our management, our hierarchy, or whatever. But really, you've got to say, well, who's got the best players? You know, who who had the best? Who's got the five best players on the pitch? That was always something. You know, someone said to me as well in my early career. You know, you've got to say, right, look at the five best players. Who's got the five best players? The five best talents. You've got the best chance to do that, and that's what it's about. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but you know, that's obviously that's a problem worldwide. You know, still, I think they're still the same. You know, clubs say they're progressive, but you know, they want to. You look at you know, older group sessions, the groups all the way through, very rondo-based, team-based, <clears throat> you know, play the ball quick, move the ball quick. It's about percentages. It's about, you know, trying not to make mistakes. And actually, we should be encouraging mistakes. We encourage a little bit more chaos, a little bit more, you know, messiness, because actually that's going to support players in the long run. But you've got to be really brave to stand up and say, yeah, we're going to do that because you have to convince the parents and obviously the players and, you know, everyone's saying, this is our project. This is the reason why we're doing it. And, you know, we all know in academy football how challenging recruitment is. It's the key, you know, to getting the best players through the door to then work with them and develop them. If you haven't got that raw talent, it becomes more difficult. So, you know, but that's what I say. You've got to be bold and be able to do that. Yeah, and it gives, and it and it, it also needs coaches that 
they let go and they let go of the control of a match or players or whatever. If yeah. it's up to the players, they do whatever they think is the best at that point, which can lead to things you maybe have not agreed on in your team, team yeah, club, exactly. whatever. Um, yeah. uh, but and that's, I think, because of the the way that coaching also evolved. So you have a lot of guys starting at 15, 16, and when they're when they're 30, they already have 15 years under the belt. They know everything about any principle. They can explain anything to anybody. So we're over-informing players, whatever. So maybe we should leave it up more to the players. Yeah, I mean, it's still a balance. The problem we've had in this country, you've had some people go too far the other way, where it's, you know, it's a laissez-faire approach, where, you know, everything has to be in a game. Just put them in a game, let them do yeah, it sure, individually. Sure, okay. And that's, a, that's an even bigger problem because, you know, a lot of coaches are coming out of our coach education program saying, oh, don't work, you know, don't work individually with the ball, don't work anything in isolation. They don't understand it properly or, or you know, or they, you know, whatever, I'm not sure what's been going on when they've been doing their coach education. So they've gone too far the other way. So now players, you know, might develop these attributes or they might not. And if they don't, actually, well, tough luck, you know, that's the problem. So you have to find a balance somewhere in between, you know, with coaches, we coach for a reason to improve players and to understand when and where to, to develop them, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, like everything, everything, everyone's got confirmation bias. Everyone believes their way of doing things are the best. So, can you maybe uh, enlighten us a little bit on why, let's say, maybe your or individual coaching in general uh, is so beneficial for players? Because indeed, a lot of coach education and uh, deliberate play, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, play, okay, play games, only realistic scenarios, only game based scenarios or game based yeah. situation. While if I look at your Instagram, it's completely perceived as the opposite uh, I'm not making any judgments here but you see yeah. net in the goal you see uh, single movements or so so why is this so beneficial yeah I mean I think I think first you've got to confront the the misinterpretations of working this way the so first of all like people say you know I think my work has definitely evolved and changed over the you know 20 odd years I've been doing it for example I realized how important the game is and linking everything to the game and the, one of the misconceptions people have is that, oh, when you work in isolation, you can't link it to the game, but you can, you know, it's, and really and it is imperative that you do, you know. So how do you do that? You make your, your, your practices game-like or game-specific. So what I always said, you know, you try and break the game down into microcosmic examples of what we're trying to do. Particularly, I work a lot around the 1v1 dual areas in terms of receiving and always having an end product. So when you see my practice, they always got a goal there, you know, so yeah. it's receiving to turn to shoot. So we're doing position-specific game like practice. And, the, and that's what the players always say to me. Like, hey, oh, I, like, I like this training because I see I see the game in it. I see what we're doing here. We're working for a reason. We're having rationale. Where a lot of people you see maybe on Instagram, you know, they're doing ladders or running through hoops and stuff like that, which is fair enough if you're a conditioning coach, whatever. But if you're a football coach, you know, you stick to stick to working with, what, with how the game works, if you like. So that's really important. And then people say, well, you know, is it game realistic? Well, it is game realistic. It was game linked to the game. And also, is it challenging? It is challenging. If you look at my sessions, you know, players come out, they're blowing. It's high intensity. It's dynamic. It's explosive. It's challenging. You're challenging players' movement on the ball. So what you're doing, and this is your thought about it, you know, you talk about quality over quantity. Yeah, you could have more tech, contextual interference and more players and more this and around there. But what you're doing, you're, you're shrinking that to have more quality or more directed outcomes rather than that you know and the players still have to make decisions they still got to learn to manage the ball manage the movement and and movement's a key point as well because we're, we're developing players movement on the ball developing players movement for the highest level for the game at the elite level those explosive 1v1 dynamic movements on both sides you know those game functional movements and linking to that and so yeah i think you have to you, you confront that contradiction to begin with 
and then say, yes, yeah, like anything, anything in life, you know, if you've got a talented piano player, you know, or you're a talented singer in in your family or someone who's good at maths or whatever, you know, you work in individual with someone, you try and support them and challenging them and really focusing, focusing in on what they need. That could be the same as a beginner as well. You know, little Billy, Billy, you know, is just starting up playing piano, wants to learn a bit better, quick, you know, helps me working with individuals rather than in a group. Same as I've got an individual footballer, you support them into a little bit of a basic skills, which will increase their confidence and then help them in the games, you know, it's, and it's always supplement, you know, this is always supplements the team training and the game, you yeah. know, it shouldn't ideally Never replace read. it. Uh, and I mean, I, sometimes it has done like some of Max Aaron's in the past and things like that, but generally it supplements it. So you work alongside that, you know, and that's what I do with my players, like the Premier League players or the championship players I work with now, you know, we train every week. I watch the games, I analyze the games, we come back, we build that into our sessions, you know, this supplements what they guys are going to do in that. So, yeah, it's really important. It's really powerful. And, I, you know, and I can't believe, you know, people can't see, you know, or still question the 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 um, the validity of it because, you know, I see it when I watch Match of the Day and I've watched my clients do things. We try in games against some of the best fullbacks in the world, you know, and it's, and, you know, and it's, well, it used to be more frustrating because now, I'm, you know, I'm up to a point where I don't, you know, I can, I'm just getting on what I'm doing. I'm working with some of the best young players in the world. I don't need to beg people to embrace this. But I mean, yeah, it's just, I think, you know, people when we're missing a trick somewhere along the line as well. Well, it, it is, um, in my opinion, hard for people to also choose for something else. So not, you've learned it in one way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know if I can add anything to that because yeah, I, I, in the back in the day, I chose for this method or blah, 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 whatever. So, but it's harder to, to, to see that this could be beneficial as well, or it could be an add on or, after their team, yeah. team training, it's ego oriented. You're going to go to the individual coach. Maybe he says something different than me. Uh, I don't yeah. want that. That could no, be yeah, yeah, challenging, yeah. for example. I, I think that works on a couple of levels because, yeah, you know, as an England, you say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, saying maybe I have a bit of that perception, you know, you, you can be stuck in your ways. <laughs> But I think there's a few things going on here as well. It's almost like these elements of the game, we don't teach enough. The things that change game, those 1v1 skills, those 1v1 jewels, 1v1 tactics, which is important. You can break these down. That's what we work on. 1v1 tactics. Some players have them innately, right? And, and you, they don't need them. But you have to scaffold players learning. All players should have them. All players should be able to stay on the ball, receive the ball under pressure, and ideally be able to play forward, break the lines with a pass or dribbling or you know running forward. So what you can do, you can break these things down, look at the patterns in the game, and then train players to do this. It's, I do it. And I was watching, I watch players on, on TV doing it every week now. So you can do that. So that's, we have to, so the question is, why don't we do that? And I think actually, you know, and a lot of the coach education comes from coaches who don't believe you can do that. They think, oh no, you know, they, they play, these are tricks or something myth mythical or something that happens where players only get them, you know, from the playground or development, which they do, some do, but some can be taught as well. You can improve players. There's a big gap, big open space here of maybe an information gap here between, you know, a lot of the coach education fraternity who have never encountered this And like say, don't understand it. So you so, say, well, no, don't do that. Do everything in the game. Players will evolve them themselves. There's also that. So, and also there's like, you know, this gains for understanding model that's come out as well, which is interesting. It's come a lot from rugby. You know, oh, rugby does this. Well, rugby's a lot different to football, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing, which is not saying don't do games for understanding. So if I'm an academy coach still now, most of my session will be games, condition games. Sure. The 20% of isolated work is 20%, but still really important. So, yeah, I think there's a bit of a strange information gap going on here, a lot of things. And unfortunately, a lot of young coaches are coming out not understanding how 
much value and benefit there is to this work. Yeah, and it's I I, I completely agree, and it's also a little bit of a practical side, probably. Uh, if you have uh, 15 players in front of you and you want to do the same style of session like you are doing, it's just not possible. Um, uh, then you well, it is possible. Well, it is. Well, it is possible. That's the thing. So you know, and this is what I look. You know, I've worked working with Arsenal with you know helping their coaches. You know, when I was there, like you can. It's about session organization, and that's the problem. You know, we have a you know have a, a, a simple rule that you know, like I said, Tim Bradby taught me when I was first growing up. You know, as a coach, no laps, no lines, no lectures. You know, you shouldn't be standing around. Shouldn't be talking too long. You know, just you shouldn't be running laps. Just the way you construct the session is possible to get those same outcomes in a team sort of thing. You just got to be creative and dynamic. So what do I mean by that? So you've got, you know, 15, 15 players, maybe start with one ball each, maybe then one ball between three, working some passive pressure, some 1v1, going some live 1v1, maybe three groups of five into another live 1v1, or like it's that sort of thing. So you can do that. It's just you have to be brave as a coach saying, exactly. I've, got, yeah. I've got three groups working, I've got five groups working. It's possible, but you just got to be a bit more creative with it. Yeah, exactly my point. You have to be willing to look behind your uh, uh, let's say how do you say it in english beyond your your normal style of working because within yeah. having attention on everybody you exactly. have to maybe have attention for five players and then make sure the other one maybe take care of their own or they whatever they do but you cannot exactly look at them literally so within yeah. let's say old fashioned to, yeah. time, you, you trust you, the players yeah and uh you see a lot of well i've done it as well but that coach no i want to have my attention for everybody or at least find a way that i everybody's involved but in this would just break it up into smaller groups and then yeah, yeah some the 10 players maybe don't have your attention for 10 minutes they will figure it out they do it on the streets also so exactly. it is it is looking beyond let's say what you have learned exactly and exactly and you know that's the whole point and thinking about the player and what they're getting out and trusting the player trusting them to just spend time on the ball and they'll be all right for a few minutes to organize themselves yeah, and what I also really, I was thinking about myself because well, I was a first-team coach and I quit for three years and now I'm getting back in it, but it's with my six-year-old boy. <laughs> the, yeah. It's completely different. But what I tend to notice there, because the players that we like and the players that we want to watch in the stadium are the players that can make a difference on the ball. Uh, so they can do something which is unexpected. They can beat an opponent. Uh, they can create something out of nothing, for example. But when I stepped on the pitch with with my boy, and um, uh, I I heard, I saw the game was organized in a way four for four versus four. And the first thing the coach said when somebody else was open, he was not under pressure. He was at pass. Mm. He had to pass the ball. He's six years old. I think if you're, let's say, starting to football until whatever any age, the first thing you should develop is your own skills, not handing somebody exactly. else the ball, but it's yeah. so almost natural to coach players to pass the ball. Yeah. It takes away all this, let's say, beautiful skills that you are working on as well mm-hmm. that make the game much more fun. Absolutely. And you, you've got to encourage players to spend time on the ball. And that might be, you know, okay, they might want to pass, but we've got, you know, we, we have to create environments, practices, sessions, which, encourage but challenge and then sometimes force the players to stay on the ball that's why i go i'm lucky i travel around the world to do these you know coaches um you know conferences and this sort of thing and i'll watch another summer session they'll do you know they'll do you know an overloaded 
possession type session, which is great. I like that. But then you put these same players in like a 1v1 or a 2v2 when they're not overloaded. They struggle because they're so used to having the spare pass all the time and being able to release yeah. the ball. So they have to have that balance. You want them to understand the overload to be able to move the ball quick and create angles. But they have to also be able to solve the problem themselves, you know. And it doesn't mean every player doesn't look, you know, every player doesn't look like, you know, a, a Ronaldo or a Noni, you know, driving and beating players, skill pass players. It might be more of a Chavi, you know, or sure. Busquets being able to roll out a problem. So understanding 1v1 looks different for all players in all areas of the pitch. But at the highest level, if you want to develop Champions League players, all players need this, you know, whether you're a centre-back fullback sent you know midfielder whatever so they need you be, be be creative with your with your practices make sure you give players time on the ball and sometimes you've got to force them on time that you know to have time on the ball to do that if they really want to push on you know but going back to what you said as well i remember like vividly and you know jamal masiala when i was my first year training in there coaching at chelsea i took the under 10s and jamal was in that same same age group and i remember coaches there was saying come on jamal pass it lose it oh he's good but he takes too long on the ball that sort of thing and I just remember, you know, send it to just, just do what you got to do, son. Just dribble, 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 you know, just go and express yourself. Because that's, you know, for me, that's that's what the beautiful game is about, you know. And you know, he will lose the ball. And if he loses the ball too much, his teammates get onto him, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. And, you know, you know, but you're, solve you're, you're not going to, yeah. yeah, you're not going to develop players. You know, if you look statistically, even the best players on, in the world who are dribblers, you know, they lose the ball <laughs> often in the highest level. So you've got to give these young guys time to develop. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. And, um, uh, yeah, well, I'm not saying that I changed everything, but when now when or at least my kid has the ball, I said if you you, you can you can first try to solve it yourself or whatever, and then he's not he's not a talent, but he 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 thinks it's a lot of fun, and now he likes to challenge players, and then if they move up to him, he he t- tries to beat them and then pass, which is for him yeah. is kind of his natural way to solve it because well, that's good. He, and then so yeah. he, he kind of finds his own way. It's exactly like you said; they have to find their own way of of yeah of being the best or express mm. expressing themselves is maybe the best way yeah best definitely. Way to, to say it if if a player comes to you for the first time they call you Saul I've I've heard you on the podcast I want to be I want to train with you or uh, I saw I just saw you uh, you uh, because this is the football world I saw you made uh, Madhuwake the best talent in England yeah. you can do it with me <laughs> um, yeah. you probably have those people calling you but one once they um, start with you, let's say the first session, how is the process? What, what do you do? Um, oh yeah, first of all, I'll tell them Nani got there. You know, lot, lot without my lot of without my help because <laughs> he's no, a top no, talent. I'm but, joking, um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah, but I get that a lot anyway. People presume anyway. But yeah, but of course, you're, you're like you're in the newspapers. You're the yeah, success. Yeah. If I train with you, I become a professional player. So yeah. maybe just maybe I mean, yeah, part well, of your well, process. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, I mean that's the other thing. You know, if I get that from a player or a parent, first thing we have a discussion is about you know the reality of trying to get to the, be a professional and the statistically how difficult it is. But I mean, it depends how the age of the player, obviously. I mean, if it's a pro player, an older player, you know, it's about, okay, what position do you play? What sort of player are you in that position? And then the process is always the same. Okay. If, if he's, for example, a wide player like Noni, you know, you know, what's the, what are the game changing moments in that position, in that position, you know, Hey, you know, and it's about breaking lines, really one V one domination. Can you dribble past players? Can you pass? Have you got in product? It's a pass, shot, or a, or a cross? And can you run beyond? Maybe can you beat them with your run as well? So looking at that, breaking it down. And this, for example, a player came to me the other day, number eight, to, like plays in the, one of the best, biggest clubs in, in England, in London. Uh, very good talent. Plays number eight a lot. Um, so we had the same conversation. I said, I've seen you play, but I've, you know, for me, you don't 
you can't break lines with the ball effectively enough. You know, you're great in terms of distribution. You can run beyond. But my question is, why can't you run with the ball a little bit more? Why can't? And they said, yeah, we never really work on that, which just doesn't surprise me because clubs don't. So then understanding this, so while not forgetting their super strengths and work here working on those things, but then understanding how what can make him better and actually get him to the highest level. And that is actually, okay, being a player like, you know, a midfielder Thiago like where you can actually break lines and you know and in, like I say it's not you don't have to be like a Gaza you know or you sure. know someone who can beat six four seven five six seven players like Masala did the other night you've got to break you have to break that one player break that one line to then you know break the pass and that sort of thing to then create the overload somewhere there so we break we look at that break it down and then just go into the sessions do a lot of filming the sessions feedback ideally if they're a pro go and watch them in their games as well do a bit of their game analysis feedback with the clips and then work towards developing their their all round game. And the whole my whole methodology is built around the one v one duel. Even with the ball master, I do you know that's very specific to one v one elements, one v one movements in the game, basically, and trying to develop those key areas. Okay, clear. So is is breaking first looking at his profile, breaking down, let's say, what you call the micro situations, or uh, and then see where you can start where the where the first. Uh, uh, steps are to to help him uh or her what i was talking to guido uh, uh guido of born to play and he said uh, yeah, well a similar way also works with big talents and, and big players as well um uh and he said yeah i in those first sessions you're also trying to look at what are their let's say mental capabilities where is their comfort zone and where can i push them out of it to see because that's where the development is. Is that something you do intentionally as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that comes naturally, doesn't it? You know, you're trying to stress the player, push the player, <clears throat> see how far they go. I mean, yeah, in terms of mentality, you know, it's just for players coming to me anyway, that means they've made the decision sure. Sure. to take that extra step. When I talk about that, you know, they're willing to work a little bit extra, maybe than everybody else's, and that's a really important step anyway. And then you see that I get contacted all the time on Instagram from pros, you know, Premier League and around the world. Yeah, I want to do a session. I want to work. I want to work. Okay, let's do it. Follow it up. And they don't have that extra, like I say, mentality to push it to take that important step. <clears throat> so I mean, yeah, I think that's a, is a really important part. But I mean, once players come to you, I think they've made that acceptance. When they once they're willing to do it, it's a big step, and then they'll just they'll just see the uh, benefit. Yeah. So it's as soon as they step on the pitch, you are convinced that convinced. What well, no, I mean, speak, yeah, listen, they are committed. That's called like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they come and maybe they've been pushed by an agent. I mean, sometimes young players come and you can tell their parents are, you know, pushing them. And then I say, this is not work. This doesn't work because there's no point in, you know, doing these sessions for you. The player has to want to do these sessions. You know, not, there's no point in wasting anyone's time or money, that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, generally, you know, like those players who are willing to do it, and um, you know, it's, it's uh, really powerful, yeah. Coaches. Sorry for the interruption. Besides the coaches room, I run another company called Football Tours. This is a full service touring company and we organize pre-season and winter training camps for professional football teams. We do this for both senior and youth teams and we take care of everything. Hotel, training accommodation, friendly matches, whatever you need. We give youth teams the opportunity to train at the best youth academies of the Netherlands. Academies like PSV, Feyenoord, AZ Alkmaar and the KNVB. You can train there with your team. So, if you are a professional coach, you 
need to organize your training camp or if you have a youth team and you want to train at the best facilities in the best academies of the Netherlands go to footballtours.com and now pay attention tours is with a z so footballtours with a z.com It's interesting because you you uh, touched upon the parents uh, recently. Some issue with the camera, or is it stuck? Or well, it keeps freezing there, so I'm freezing it there. Doesn't that's okay. Oh, okay, is it good now? Yeah, it's good now. Yeah. Okay. But um, uh, it was a while ago that uh, Van Nistelrooy said, "Okay, we are over pushing kids. Um, we are um, we have burnout kids at 18 to 21. That's exactly the age where they should be ready to to start to start performing on the highest level." What is your vision on on that process? Because I can't imagine if you have a talented player and combine it with a really fanatic fanatic or a dad that lost his dream when he was young. Let's mm-hmm. let's call it like that, like it is. Um, yeah. And they get pushed from club to club, and then on on <laughs> Sunday they have extra training with you, and Wednesday they, there's another individual coach who also has time, and then on Friday evening there's a mental coach because she should be mentally ready. Uh, how do you see that process with especially young players? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an issue. And also, I, I mean, a lot of people come and see me and they'll say, I'm seeing this coach, I'm seeing that coach. I don't like that. You know, I don't like the person. So hang on, you know, either trust me to do it or trust them to do it. It's no point. seeing a kid getting mixed messages. It's, sure. it's a bit chaotic. I don't like it. But yeah, I mean, that is always an issue in any sport or, you know, in acting or thing, you know, right? you know overzealous parents. So you got to try and educate them and, you know, support them in that and clubs will do that. I mean, but then the pro- it's, it's just got to find a balance. You know, some people go too far the other. Oh, yeah, you know, because if you're in an academy and you're not doing any extra work, you've got no, you, unless you're in actually Maradona or Messi, you've got no chance, really. It's yeah. difficult because everyone else is working so hard. So you've got to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm going to say do it with me. <clears throat> you get to be doing it yourself. Do your own homework. Try to do a little bit, 30 minutes, so you're in the garden, wherever, by yourself. What I do is help quicken that process and, you know, make it more directed. But yeah, you don't have to do it. But, you know, this is the most competitive industry in the world. Everybody wants to be a footballer. You know, you've got to work hard. You've got to put the extra in. But, you know, there is a balance. So you've got to say, make sure children are having at least one day off when they're not doing anything. You know, they can just go and be kids and enjoy themselves. And in the summer, have you know, have time off as well, have a few weeks off when they're not doing any football sort of thing. But the key thing I always say to parents is like, are they enjoying it? This is the main thing, you know. There's a player come to me and now they're going, yeah, I love this buzzing, buzz this football. But they're not. And I'm saying, this is no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> no. No. I'm not going to coach this kid or this player. If they're not enjoying it. There's no point because you know, I won't enjoy it. So that's really the acid test. If they're, because, you, know, you know, most kids just like playing football. Most people into football, obsessed by football, want to do football all the time. So as long as they have that enjoyment, and you know, say they're not going into that where they think, oh, not another session, that's thing, because then, you know, then it's, then it's a problem. Yeah. Understand? Or do you do you sit down with the parents as well around that process of once in a while? Okay, I see this or I see this or how school. Yeah, we always have a review process, and we always chat and chat to parents regularly. You know, whether it's on after session or in a pitch, we sit down and have a coffee. I think it's, it's really important. Same with agents as well. When I'm working with the players or with the players, you know, we always sort of you have to communicate and say, right, what we're doing here to be reflective. But yeah, and also saying, you know, what are you doing? Are you doing how much are you doing? Oh, that I'll say yeah, that is too much. You know, you're you know what you're doing is not necessarily conducive to developing a top player. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I, th- I think it's very interesting, especially, okay. If you have top talents, that's not even the hardest group or, or good players or talent. They will find a way yeah. to deal with it, but it's especially the players that let's say right in between. And then 
with some surroundings around them that want to push them a little bit harder. Let's call them parents. And that's, yeah. that's, I think, the most interesting group. It's on any level at any club. Even, well, I don't want to go back to my kids. We have a six-year-old. We have 40 kids, and they train in four groups. They're already parents. But my kids should be in group one. They're on freaking football for three months now. Why are you bothered by whatever? Let them play on the street. Well, yeah, I mean, I had, I, had, I had a conversation the other day with someone else on another podcast and said, you know, if you ask any academy coach what's the biggest problem in academy football, most people will say parents or then quickly followed by agents probably. But that's, you know, that could be you know, a bit of an issue. Yeah. And I had to make a shift myself as well because I don't know if that's how that's for you because, because I have always been, let's say, in performance football, whether it's the first team mm. or... Or, or selected players or first youth teams or whatever, or most professional football. So it was always about the best players. But now I see my kid is not the best player of that 40. He's, he's think, the main thing is he did, he's enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so th there's an interest there as well. So for me, that was a shift to think differently because as coaches, you always think, okay, we need to have the best for anybody. But sometimes you can just be just, just, It just has to be fun. It's part of yeah. their life. It's just, let's say, it's physical education almost, and it happened to be football for that kid. Yeah, I mean, so, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even though when you're in elite setting, you, know, you still still be having fun. Do you know what I mean, yeah. kids like to be challenged. They want to come in challenge environment, but they want to have, you know, still and that's going to be fun anyway. So you still got to make that. You know, that's the art of the coach, isn't it? So. Yeah, but on the other hand, you are. Uh, uh, um, Well, the context that you work with is mainly at the elite side and it has different, well, not different rules, but it, the fun part is maybe even more important that you don't over push them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, uh, if you look at um, uh, your, well, your pathway, uh, of, of course, like I said, I'm going to make it very superficial like we do in football. You've been the most successful individual coach recently because you've, You've made a guy go from, no, I'm joking again, but go from PSV to, to Eindhoven, uh, from Chelsea to Chelsea, I mean. But I can't imagine it wasn't always like that. You started out somewhere, you started out in the USA, uh, went to Tottenham, etc. And at one point, you made, was my conclusion, shift to individual coaching. What were, let's say, the hardest moments in this process? Because, again... 150,000 followers, all looks easy. You have, you have a great company. You did an, you did an online conference, which I, which had great speakers, but it's, 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 it didn't start out like this. What were, what were hard moments and what have you learned? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's been over 20 years. I'm a 21st year now yeah. uh, coaching. Uh, I think I think reflecting on this, I think when I was, when I was leaving Spurs, that was a tough time for me because uh, when Chris Ramsey left, he left, he went to where the 23s with Tim Sherwood, he left the Academy really. And then, uh, that someone else came in and it just wasn't the same. And I was actually still am, but even more idealistic and hard headed and maybe was, you know, creating issues or fighting battles that I shouldn't be fighting. And then I sort of fell out of love a little bit with it. And then, um, you know, left Tottenham in the end and <clears throat> questioned it myself actually, because I was, I lost a bit of passion. I thought I should, do I want to do this? And also I didn't know what I was going to do. So that was quite a challenging time. And then, you know, luckily then I, I was went to work at Chelsea, which is exactly what I wanted anyway. You know, that was almost, you know, what I'd almost been dreaming of. So that was turned out to be a good thing. So that was quite a cha challenging time because I was sort of still a young coach in my career and stuff like that. How old were you? Um, 
I'm not sure. Well, I left Tottenham in 2012. So, you know, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so relatively young as a coach, you know, as in my coaching career, uh, done six years there. Um, but then, uh, and also then when I left Chelsea as well, was quite for different reasons because, I, I, you know, I was too busy. My personal football coach, my app was doing really well. I was, my individual coach was going really well. I was doing too many things. I was doing the app, my individual yeah. coaching and Chelsea and Academy. And I couldn't, I couldn't do any of them properly. And I said to them, you know, this, I'm struggling here. I'm just overstretched. And I had to make the decision to leave Chelsea and leave the biggest, one of the biggest brands in the world of football, which was really good for my business as well. And as an individual coach, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I left there and I'm at all and it was, you know, a very difficult decision because it was an amazing academy, a great experience. I'd learned so much. Uh, but again, turned out to be the right decision. So I focused more on my going my own way and then and then doing that. And then, you know, finally I was just thinking this and now actually, you know, my battle's always been to, you know, build my brand from scratch, you know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a Tottenham, I'm not a Chelsea, I'm, but I have that background behind me. And obviously I've done stuff with Arsenal. Now my challenge has been over the last, particularly the last six, seven, eight years with my personal football coach is building the brand, getting that out there and getting myself out there as a standalone, you know, someone who can. And now luckily, you know, I work as a consultant with these big clubs. They trust me to come in there because I've developed that individual brand, you know, through my content, but mainly through my track record and my background of working with players and clubs and stuff like that. So trying to build my own brand has been the, sort of the biggest challenge and continues to be the biggest challenge, you know, to carry on doing that and carry on sort of striving in that area. Okay, clear. So it is, and that's clear. What have you learned from that? Uh, well, you've learned you've got to you've got to be brave. You know, you know, fortune favors the brave. They say, you know, that old adage. You got to, you know, if you want something, you got to go out and get it. I'm a big believer in that. Anyway, you know, if you really you have aspirations, you got to be courageous and trying to make them happen. Uh, and yeah, you know, just got to go and, and do that and work and healthy hard work. You know, it's a constant battle. It's a constant, you know, constant drive to go and carry on trying to be one of the best and trying to be top of the game and carry on getting these opportunities you know it's, it's sort of it's hard work yeah hard work so nine years ago um, let's take that point you were um moving away from tottenham at that point if i'm correct or was it chelsea already there no no, no. so yeah 2012 so that's uh be like 11 years 11 now. years ago sorry yeah yeah, yeah so i left leaving tottenham And then having a time where I wasn't sure what I was going to do, you know, I'd left, I sort of fallen out of love a little bit with it because the last six months was, I didn't enjoy it at Tottenham. And a lot down to myself as well. You know, I said I was hard-headed. I didn't like the direction the academy was going in, too idealistic or that sort of thing. And um, one, one second, that was actually, ironically, some brand new footballs had turned up and I needed <laughs> my, my session this afternoon with the pros. That's my time. It's important. <laughs> you're not the um, first one that had had a package yeah. delivered during a recording yeah, that's so timing but yeah so i was um <clears throat> yeah i mean it's probably down to me i was very hard-headed and idealistic and sort of thing so yeah it was quite a challenging time because i was sort of you know and I was still relatively new in the game and you know you can sort of question now what i want to do what, and then when i was without a club for a bit as well and i've got offered a job at some other you know clubs which were was not as glamorous as tottenham And then, you know, fortunately, fate, whatever, you know, Chelsea came in, so it turned out good. So, um, you're, let's say, in this in this position, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go full full on for my own brand, uh, for for my personal football coach. And then it's literally, oh, assumption here, but maybe you can uh, add, um, it's literally just getting up, 
do the work, build a build an Instagram page, make pictures of everything, reach out to players to get it going, to get traction and to get the first players in there. Because you say you are hard headed. I hear that you have a strong philosophy, your strong own identity and philosophy, yeah. which you didn't want to uh, bend. So you believe yeah. in something, I think. Yeah, hard-headed is a different word, but I think you believe in your way of working. And if you want to accomplish mm -hmm. something with that, well, it is taking it head on uh, and just do the work. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I'm very, you know, have a very clear vision of what I think player development should look like, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is that what did I do? Yeah, I mean, I was doing it anyway. I was lucky. I'd been, already been working with a lot of top players at that time. You know, like I say, start your Instagram, start a podcast, do all the other things, you know, you've you got to do to get your brand out there. Uh, I remember actually, because I, I actually went, was the last year, I, I that 2012, I actually went to do a, some camps in Thailand. Okay. And I said to the guy, look, you can't use a Tottenham badge because, you know, I'll get in trouble here. He goes, no, okay, I won't. Because the problem is no one knows who you are, Saul. You know, you're just you're just Saul, a PDA football at the time. I come as PDA football. Uh, or my... So I see, I mean, he ended up using it anyway. And actually, I got a written warning because if someone sent, someone, you know, sent the flyer in and stuff. And that's sure. right. I really need to, I need to be able to have my own brand where I can, I want to travel the world and be a coach where I can go and do camps and with, on my own back with my own brand. So that was also, that was another thing that's sort of like, right, let's get out there and, sort of make that happen but I was, you know the fortune was like you know as like I say when I was working with a lot of top players you know like Max Aarons who's a big one for me I got a lot of press when he broke into the first team at Norwich yeah. uh, we spent two years he was about a club from 14 to 16 for two years just training with me so unprecedented in terms of he got into the scholarship after that and then went into the first team within three years got a lot of press with that and then you know then you, your name builds your reputation builds more players come in, more academy players, and you just sort of carry on, you know. And then you've got all these players who are your walking CVs, if you like, you know. Sure. Yeah, oh, he's where sure. we saw. I've seen, I can see he's got a bit of sword in him sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's, let's say, the, the effect of, of, of working or following your own identity. What I think is interesting, um, and that's something that you, as a coach, or that you kind of have to find or try or whatever, is to get, that own identity because I think that it's not that the goal is to be successful, successful, but you see a lot of goal coaches that are successful. They have a strong philosophy, a strong identity and a strong idea mm. on football. And that's what they developed and that's what they're using. And that's what they get hired for instead of, or oh, you are a chameleon. So you will fit in straight away. No, they want people with a strong opinion. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think as well. I was fortunate in terms of the people I work with. I, you know, I talk about Tim American, Keith Bowanas, who was my FA mentor educator. But particularly at Tottenham in my early times, working with Chris Ramsey and Danny Buck as well. Who I say, you know, without those guys, I definitely wouldn't be where I was now. You know, and same as Bucky, particularly like very, you know, same. This is the way to develop players. He's got the experience. He's worked at Arsenal. He's worked at Tottenham. They've done it there. And Chris as well. They're saying, you know, don't don't worry about other people say. You know, this is what we're doing. And they had a saying, which was FITFO, you know, fit in or, fit in or F off, basically. Which yep. was, you know, that's, they were going to do this. And no one was doing Just that in the country. No, no, no one was doing it in the country at the time. It was very unique. And no one probably still was doing it. Arsenal now have adopted a similar sort of thing now. Interesting. But anyway, yeah, so it's very much, you know, this is what we do. We felt like we were, you know, we were game changers. We were, you know, doing something different. You know, we were, you know, soldiers on the front line here trying to create change the English game, if you like, making players more technical and better on the ball so yeah I was lucky at that but I mean I'm thinking you know like I said I was that was always my perception of the game anyway 
you know, that's the players I like to watch. That's how I want to see football played. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, it's, I think it's important to have a clear vision. Yeah, but I, I, I think you've you've chosen to follow that path. It would have been the same thing that I, because I am more team and, and, and result-oriented, that I would have been, oh, no, I'm going to be this all-developing guy. I'm only going to have eye for the individual, which is not just not me. I like watching Mourinho play other teams because he does everything to win. Uh, I yeah, it's just the way that I I don't I like to watch good football, but I also enjoy the process of beating somebody else. It's it yeah, is yeah. I I don't know if it's a little bit unpopular, but it's it's something that connects with me, and I still want my team to play nice, and I still want yeah. I think I think when I I mean when I was connects with you either or not yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think when I was I look back last year, I was lucky enough when. And I was invited to go and do some stuff with Arsenal with the 18s and the 23s. And same work with Dan Michichi. Dan's one of the best in the world for me in terms of coaching, team coaching and developing that team style and that playing style. And he, he wanted me in because he knows my specialism is different. I'm the individual guy. And he says that, that bit of je ne sais quoi, like a little bit of special sort of thing. But I love working with him because he's so good at the other aspects of it, which is, you know, I want to learn about stuff like that. So I was really, I mean, one of the main reasons I went in there, the chance to work alongside him and see how he works and then see how my sort of thing sat along with those guys working with the 18s and that sort of thing so that was a really interesting and enjoyable process i really enjoyed that but like i said i still have so much you know, appreciation of what they, he does but he has a different eye in terms of way of doing things but i love you know it was a real buzz just seeing him work day to day and seeing one of the best in the world do what he does you know yeah no and as soon as you start managing a team you should find the people around you that, that yeah that add the knowledge that you don't have uh, or the passion or whatever um okay clear Who would you like to train? Who would I like to train? Yeah, so if you could choose any player that you saw are there, who would you Ooh. like to work with? <laughs> um, I didn't prepare you for this question, but yeah, I, before I yeah, before you press I mean, your I'm going to ask yeah. you because I thought it was funny <laughs> and interesting as well. You know what? I look at players, like I look at someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka at Man United, and I can, I'd make him, I can make him so, so much a better player because he's one of the best 1v1 defenders in the world. I can make him so much better in the final third because that's what I do. Someone like that who's playing at such a high level and you can see there's one part of their game which can I could easily just tangibly go, Bang, I can make you so much better in that area. So And I watch that, so those players, that sort of thing. But I mean, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I, I think players like that, you know, which is, that's why I get the buzz from work. Players who come to me who work, play in the Premier League and say, well, I want to do something. I say, right, straight away, boom. I know something we can work on straight away. So I've been working on recently with, you know, a first-team player who, same thing, he worked... I watched his first game beginning of the season. Uh, we played again, they played against Arsenal. I won't say the player of the name because sure. obviously I'm asked him. But he said, I said, look, what you have to be better in is this at the final third. We looked at a certain situation where he's 1v1. I said, you've got to be able to be courageous enough and good enough to break the line against um, a fullback, you know, at, when you're in there rather than turning playing back. We've done a lot of sessions. We worked on it. And then, you know, I watched one again just before the Christmas break and he played Man City and he'd done Cancelo and the exact thing we worked on, the exact 1v1 tactic and I thought well that, that really made me buzz I thought well, this is it you know this is the highest level we're making changes here so yeah that was that's, that's really rewarding can you show me the picture can we share a picture with us how you are sitting in front of the feed and is it you on the couch standing up and screaming or what what happens then <laughs> it is well it's funny yeah it is I mean yeah it is me jumping up on the couch screaming and videoing it but funny same as when I was working with Dan Machicha Arsenal the 18 same thing we identified one of these players a forward player as a top striker Same again, edge of the box, 1v1. And he just 
failed a couple of times to solve the problem. So I said, Dan, look, give me them. So then in the week, I worked a couple of times with him away in the session. I pulled him out, did some stuff in the 1v1 element. And then the game against West Ham, he played on the weekend that weekend. Then he tried the skill and actually he won a corner. <laughs> he wasn't successful. And I was jumping up in the in the, uh, in the, in the, in the oh, yes, come on. And Dan was like, why are you celebrating a corner? And that's ridiculous. I said, because... And he saw this as that was for me. That was it. This guy had been we worked on something. It wasn't completely successful. He didn't manage to get part, but he, he was he was courageous enough to try it, and we had path for success. So those sorts of things, you know, that's the difference. I think you know because that's my individual eye. What I look at, I look at something a little bit different there from maybe what other coaches look for. I can imagine it's highly rewarding that you see players trying or pushing themselves to what they probably can or maybe not even can yet, but whatever. That, that 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 you see your the outcome of your work. no yeah. yeah especially you know you know when you when you you're, you're in the stadium or you're on the TV watching things and you're seeing players work on do something which they couldn't do before and they're doing it in the game at the very highest level it's fantastic yeah great great it it is all um, uh, well that's my assumption again but it is it's a lot of attacking work ball work do you also focus on defense or Yeah, I can do. I mean, I do spend a lot more time on individual possession. But I mean, yeah, we work on defending. You know, can work on out of possession. But my 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 passion, my specialism is in individual possession when on the ball. So even when I'm working with centre backs, we work a lot in terms of way of receiving to try and break lines, get out, and play play forward and that sort of thing. Yeah, a lot of aerial control, not being able to you know break pressure and to do that. Obviously, you know, and then obviously the player needs that defending work. They can get the defending work. But what you normally find. Is that what's got them there? Is their defending ability, and they usually lack the quality on the ball. But obviously, yeah, you know, you do have to work on one v one before yeah. defending as well. How is your quality on the ball? Because I saw one—I don't know who it was—but you were like moving up to, uh, how do you call it, like a like a dummy or a puppet. You 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 got the ball, you you turned, and then you you hit the ball uh, in the net in the corner, top corner, top bins. And uh, I heard the guys scream, "Oh, yeah! It's only your second time." <laughs> not that that's interesting. <laughs> How yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Top like, players, uh, yeah. You, your own own skills are important as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm technically always been okay, pretty good. I mean, physically, um, you know, I never had the physical capability to play at a high level, that sort of thing. But technically, I grew up, you know, within the inner city, London, on the streets and in the cages and stuff. So, I was always technically very good. Um, so luckily, yeah, occasionally I can pull those demos out when I when I need to. I want yeah, well, to. it happens a little bit in. It helps a little bit in your authority yeah. if that you can still yeah, show or yeah, that you I can show. So. It, sure. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, if you get there and you can't kick a ball straight or you know whip one into the top bin, then yeah, you probably lose a bit of credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Clear. Okay. Uh, I have a last question for you. Okay. Uh, who should we talk to next? Yeah, I, mean, I thought about this. I think I'd like. To, I think, like I said, Danny Buck. I'd recommend you. Like I said, one of the big mentors and influences of my career. He's coached like even longer than me, a lot longer than me. He's actually a bit younger than me, ironically. But he's like, yeah, in terms of you know, he worked many years at Tottenham and Arsenal before that. He's at Arsenal again now. But like someone who understands technical development, understands the process of team development as well, and just someone who's again who's big inspiration in my work and you know like i said he's very open and he's very opinionated and he's good and he's been there and done that and he's worked with some top top players and some unbelievable coaches in top environments as well okay well let's see if we can get him on what what would you ask yeah. him uh i'd ask him um 
That's another good question. I don't. Well, I've had him on my podcast. I've had a lot. I've asked him quite a few questions before, <laughs> but just about his own development, really, which is quite interesting. You know how he. It's always interesting, like you say. You know my journey, his journey. You know his influences, how he sees the game. You know, and you know how how he got to where he is. We had a uh, uh, Bart Kauberg uh, on. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he was like a performance coach of Chelsea women, and he was, well, he had jobs around elite clubs in Europe and also Middle East. And it, he said, um, everybody, whatever you do, but especially in football as well, needs a mentor. Yeah. Um, this, this is probably, you're not, not in those words, but you're kind of saying the same. Well, I've actually got, I mean, Bucky's a really good friend of mine and he was like a mentor in terms of me. I learned a lot from him when I was coming up through Tottenham specifically. I worked very much alongside him, under him. So massive influence in my career and a mentor that way. And same with Chris Ramsey. But actually now I do actually have mentors as well. I do, you know, I, I mentor young coaches and I actually have, you know, three mentors in my life which are really important to me and help me with not only my coaching but my business as well sure. and that sort of thing and my, yeah, my sort of brand brand development so yeah i definitely say i you know, recommend that to anybody yeah cool okay good final uh, um tip for uh, for everybody advice for for everybody um where can people find you yeah you can find me on instagram my football coach one twitter my football coach uh, LinkedIn, drop me a message if you want to. I'm on the uh, check download the My Personal Football Coach app. It's uh, it's free to download. And clubs like Arsenal use it, and many other Premier League clubs. It's on the app. It's it's a uh, it's a lot of content and exercises, footage. What what is on it? Yeah, it's just like individual forward, so you, you can download it. There's lots of skills. Players or coach oriented. Uh, well, the app specifically is for players. Okay. If you go to My Personal Football Coach, the website. That's more coach specific, where we have coaching courses. Uh, coaching resources uh, and that sort of thing. So there's a couple of years for players, coaches and parents. Yeah. So if you're a coach, you can look into that, but maybe if you want to help your players a little bit, you could, you could suggest the app to your players. Uh, for you, uh, absolutely. Players, there's courses on there, like for players, like I, like I'd run an individual session. You can download that, that sort of thing. Position specific sessions for players. And on like, say the coaches we have, you know, the ball master and one V one courses, online courses you can do. And um, like coach resources, like sessions from all around the world, and that sort of thing. Perfect. And also, we have we have the virtual we have like the the virtual conference, which you mentioned. So, con virtual conference with some of the best player developers in the world as well. Yeah, I saw it. I seen it. And, uh, I saw Yope was on there, so that's why I asked Yope yeah. for the numbers. Oh, yeah. How things go. Um, okay, thank you very much, Saul. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know yeah, yeah. Um, that you will are open to questions for for everybody. They know where to find you. You're Absolutely. out there. Um, uh, and I hope once in, one day that my Instagram will be, will be as big as yours. But, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't have the that type of content, and I will ne probably never make it. But um, well, keep on dreaming, never give up the dream. Oh well, right? yeah, yeah. I have, I have, I am just as hard headed as you, I think. So uh, we'll find yeah. a way. We'll find a way. Thank you, uh, thank you again, uh, Saul, and uh, and speak soon. Thanks for having me. Okay, okay. bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game. <laughs>